Is it your fault if your child is lost? On this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Heath Lambert, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. I'm joined this week by Dr. Jim Neuheiser, who is the Executive Director of the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship and a fellow at the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. One of the most difficult problems that a parent can face is with a grown child who has left the faith. They've walked away from the faith that maybe they professed as a child. Maybe they never did profess faith, and that has sort of solidified itself in adulthood. And parents can feel guilty. They can feel ashamed. And one of the questions that they face is, is it my fault that my child is not a believer? The question you raise, Heath, is one that families have faced since the beginning. The very first family in history with Adam and Eve, their first two sons were Cain and Abel. And one served the Lord, honored the Lord. The other one grew up in the exact same family, same influences, no internet, smartphones, MTV, bad influences like that. And yet Cain, because of the sin in his heart, rebelled against his parents. Even when the Lord himself admonishes Cain, Cain will not listen. And he chose to rebel. And so my understanding from Scripture, actually, is there are three factors that determine how a kid turns out. One is that we as parents have an influence on our children. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. And all these verses in Proverbs that describe the responsibility we have in Ephesians 6 to discipline them, to instruct them, to avoid provoking them to anger. And so the faithfulness of parents in doing that is a a wonderful influence, and God so often uses that to save children. And you see Christian families who just rejoice over children like Abel, who honor the Lord. But the statement in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it, is not an unconditional promise. It's a maxim. It's a statement of the way things are generally. For example, in Proverbs 10 it says, the hand of the diligent makes rich, and the one who is lazy comes to poverty. But some sluggards win the lottery. Some... Uh, people who work very hard have calamity occur to them. And so generally speaking, God blesses faithful parenting, and we are responsible, and we can contribute to our children's ruin by neglecting our duties. But the Bible also teaches that children are responsible for the choices they make. And in the very book of Proverbs where we quote these maxims, uh, the whole point of the first nine chapters of Proverbs is a young man or young woman is making this fundamental choice in life, whether he's going to follow wisdom or live in folly. And wisdom is pleading with the young man and crying out in the streets. But that young person is going to have to make his own choice whether he or she is going to believe. And so when you get to Proverbs 9, you have two banquets. In the beginning, Lady Wisdom invites you to her banquet. But at the end of the chapter, Madam Folly is spreading her own feast and the young man is having to decide, where am I going to eat? And a parent can't control that choice of a child. Uh, In Ezekiel 18, you have an example of three generations, where in the first generation, a man honors the Lord, he follows the law, he does all the right things, doesn't do the wrong things, but then he has a son who doesn't follow in the father's ways. And 
the father isn't blamed for the wickedness of the son. In spite of the good example and the godly instruction of the father, the son rebels and he suffers for his own sin, not his father suffering for his sin. But then the third generation, the wicked father has a righteous son who rejects his father's wicked ways. And so the second factor clearly in Scripture is that children choose whether to follow the wise instruction of their parents and of the Lord or whether they're going to go their own way. And then finally, it's ultimately the sovereignty of God, that our children are born dead in sin, and just being born in a Christian family doesn't make you regenerate. They have to be regenerated like anybody else, and so we're desperately pleading with God to show mercy to our kids, to bless our efforts in spite of the fact that uh, our efforts fall short. We're not going to save our kids by the merit of our good parenting. It's going to be solely by God's mercy. That's very helpful. And as true and as biblical as it is, there are going to be parents who experience the lostness of their child and they feel tremendous pain. What should we say to parents who are struggling with that kind of difficulty? The most comforting thing I've found in Scripture is the fact that God himself is a father who has wayward children. In Exodus, the Lord says, Israel is my son. But then in Isaiah 1, he says, Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth. For the Lord speaks, sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. So the Lord himself knows what it's like to be a father whose children rebel. And he has compassion upon those of us who have had these experiences. And uh, we can understand all the mystery of why things are as they are. As long as our children are alive, we pray, we have hope. But it's good to know that God genuinely has compassion for us in our sorrow, in our sadness. And as we respond to these trials, and in my own life, I've written three books that address kind of the various stages of our struggles with kids who have not believed as we believe and at various stages of their life turned away. Um, He has been sufficient to comfort us. And actually, one of the wonderful lessons God has taught me through this pain is that loving children who aren't what I dreamed they would be has taught me how to love in the way God has loved me. Scripture says I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I am married to the easiest woman on earth to love. (laughs) Everybody loves my wife. Marriage has been easy. I've never had the concept of sacrifice in loving her. But when my children have broken my heart and disappointed me, and I'm called upon as they're now adults, to reach out to them, to care for them. Uh, that difficulty, <laughs> that heartbreak, and then still praying for them, loving them, reaching out to them, caring for them, that has taught me a lot about how God loves me when I was wayward. And I want to reflect that love to him, and I still hope that he will show them mercy. You're a parent who has got kids that are hostile to Christianity. They don't want to hear anything about Jesus. They don't want to hear anything about church. They don't want to hear about the Bible. You want to be faithful and love them well. You want to point them to Christ. What What do you do when they're hostile? Yeah, uh, I have had practice at, <laughs> at that. And it kind of depends on the age. I mean, when they're still in your home and they're still minors, I think there's a level of expectation that if we're going to have family devotions, we expect you to be there. And if we're going to go to church, you're still a minor living in our home. And I know this is hard for you. And I think 
you know, one thing that helps just to say, I can't make you believe anything. As you're becoming an adult, you're going to have to make up your own mind. As part of our family, this is how we do things. When you're out of the house, you'll have all your own decisions to make in life, and I won't control those, but I still believe this is my responsibility to God. As they become adults, one thing I think is important to tell yourself is they already know what you think. Mm. They've been in your house. You know, they grew up in my house for 18 years. They know what I believe. I've read the scriptures to them. I've shared the gospel with them. They've heard hundreds of sermons, mostly from me. And repetition isn't necessarily going to make me more effective. And I really believe a, a wise strategy is to surprise them with love and grace. I think my kids expected that when they turned away from what I believed and they did certain things that I would judge them, shun them. And my wife has really helped me to surprise them with love. There's nothing you can do that will stop me from loving you. And continuing to reach out, to spend time together, to be generous with them, to be kind with them. Uh, The problem with our kids isn't their behavior and their morality. The problem is they're unregenerate and they're just living the way unregenerate people do. And scolding them for their immorality isn't going to save them. And repeating the plan of salvation to them over and over again isn't going to regenerate them either in that they've heard that already. God must work in their hearts. But to surprise them by being accepting, loving, non-judgmental, they know what I think of what they're doing. They know what I think of what they believe. And if there's something in their lifestyle that's inappropriate, if they're outside of my home, I can't control that. I don't have to tell them I don't like it. They know that. But to show love to them and even other people in their lives and be gracious to them, show hospitality to them, I think that's the best thing we can do. Uh, we love because God first loved us. And so I would like for my children to see the gospel I proclaim to them exhibited in the way my wife and I treat them. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. If you'd like more information about Dr. Neuheiser's ministry or about this topic, then you can visit him at ibcd.org. Or you could read one of his three books on this topic, Parenting is More Than a Formula, You Never Stop Being a Parent, and When Good Kids Make Bad Choices. And if you'd like more information about ACBC, you can visit us at biblicalcounseling.com.